Howdy and welcome to the Confidence Through Health podcast. I'm Jerry Snyder. As an elite level athlete, owner of All In Health and Wellness, and author of the book Confidence Through Health, my goal is to help you achieve your goals and dreams using health as the conduit to get there. This podcast is brought to you in part by Social Media Cowboys. They are a digital media agency that helps businesses get found online. Websites, social media, AdWords, geofencing, and much, much more. If you need help with online marketing, they are here for your business. Social Media Cowboys, practical solutions for real businesses. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Confidence Through Health podcast. Um, excited to bring with you today uh, someone who's very special to me um, and uh, that someone who actually has helped me get through a lot of uh, the health knowledge that, that I have now, and that is uh, my wife, uh, Jenny Snyder. She is uh, with me, so I'll let her say hello, and then I'll introduce a little bit about her background. Hello. Thanks for having me. So Jenny is uh, an exercise physiologist. She has worked in cardiac rehab for over 20 years now. Um, we actually met as I was doing an internship in cardiac rehab, and she was working at the facility uh, over 22 years ago, um, and you know, through through seeing what she does, I think it's important to bring her on not just because she's my wife, but because uh, with her 20 plus years of knowledge in cardiac rehab, but also in preventative measures, um, she is uh, advanced cardiac life support trained, but also she is an instructor for that. So she is instructing uh, a lot of doctors and nurses in in their advanced cardiac life support. She is basic life support, which is CPR, first aid. She is an instructor for that for years now. Um, She's a swim instructor. Uh, So, you know, you can tell that that our family goes into this health health and wellness area uh, with both feet full-fledged. We're all in. But I wanted to bring her on to talk a little bit about, you know, not just what to expect if you if you do have to go through cardiac rehab or pulmonary rehab, because she she does both, but more about um, as well, like what can you do from a preventative standpoint now um, and what are some signs that you need to look for that truly could be, you know, what's what is a heart issue and what is just times are tough right now we're going through a lot of unknowns and so what is just stress but what is like oh no this could actually be your heart telling you something um so i want to start with with just a a basic question of you know what uh what are the signs and symptoms that somebody needs to know about themselves that that they could really be having a heart issue and they need to call their doctor immediately well um there's textbook signs and symptoms for that you would might see in a textbook but you you know the pounding of the chest or the pressure on your chest the chest pain it could be in the middle of your chest mid sternally or it could be kind of radiating down sometimes your right arm but most of the time it's the left arm Um, numbness it's called diaphoresis but really really intense sweating um, shortness of breath, of course. Sorry to, to, to interrupt, but that's that's not like just because you're you're sweating because of exercise. That's just you're sitting on the sofa and all of a sudden you start sweating as if you just did a big bout right. of exercise. Right, and that's a 
something, you know, kind of unexplained, like where did that come from? Why am I sweating so much? And uh, that can be definitely a sign that something's going on with your heart. You're not getting enough oxygen to your heart. So it could be um, paired with numbness in your fingers, you know, things that um, sometimes women sometimes complain of jaw pain or back pain, like right around their shoulder blades. Um, so all those can be a sign that there is something going on with your heart, that you're not getting enough oxygen to your heart. So with that, stress can also do a lot of the same symptoms as far as, you know, the, the, the pain in your necks and the pain in your back, the tightness and those types of things. But it's the, it's the combination of factors that should lead you to like, oh, this, this could actually be my heart. And this is not just because you know, I'm, I'm stuck and I don't have toilet paper or I don't have, you know, whatever the, the stressor of the day is um, that puts you over the emotional side of things. Right. You know, it can be, it can be intermittent. So you could be, let's say you're exercising and then you get some of these signs, but then you rest and they go away. That could be something that's just short term, like a lack of oxygen for that, those few minutes and it goes away. Um, of course, the more severe Part would be if it doesn't go away. Um, a lot of people complain that stress could induce some of these um, symptoms and they won't go away. So definitely feeling that tightness in your chest. And like you said, Jerry, it could be anxiety driven, um, but it could be legit heart related. So it's just identifying those and knowing your body. You have to really know what's normal for you uh, when our patients come in, they say, we always ask them what their story is. What was their sign? And, you know, some will say, gosh, I just had that really bad pain in the middle of my chest. And I said, well, well, remember that because that's one of your signs. Um, so it's just what were you doing when it started and what made it go away? And were you stressed out when it happened? Well, and that's, you know, one of the... One of the things as far as research has shown is that the, from the stats on heart issues, heart attacks, um, you know, the, the majority, if you will, and not that it's a, like a massive majority, but the majority of heart attacks and heart issues come about in that early Monday morning time frame because that's when people get over the weekend and you've done whatever you've done and to relax, but then that stress of Monday morning work comes on um, and so stress can be a leading factor to like tipping you over the edge, mm -hmm. but just because you're stressed doesn't necessarily mean you're having a heart attack. Right. Right. So, so tell, tell me, uh, tell us a little bit more about like why you love what you do. Uh, it's very rewarding on so many different levels because you see someone that's, I mean, they could be struggling with just being unsure they have this new diagnosis as a heart patient and they don't know what they can and can't do or what's safe or not safe for them to do um, we have all different ranges we have the younger folks that they come in and they're like what I thought I was healthy and then they come in those that are in their mid-70s and they've had heart issues before and they come in and you know, we try and give them confidence so that they can live a healthier life. We do a lot of education with them, anything from like, what's a blood pressure? 
and what does it mean for you? How do you improve your blood pressure all the way to nutrition, stress management, and then just giving them a light encouragement to exercise and feel better so that they can feel better in the long run. And that's, um, you know, one of the things that, that, that I know that you enjoy is working with that population um, in that one-on-one, being able to, to help them, you know, change their behaviors. But, and it's not, when somebody comes in for rehab, it's not just a, uh, a one visit and everything's changed, is it? No. Um, typically, well, insurance will pay for, you know, three months worth of three days a week cardiac rehab. So it's it's progression. They come in, um, we try and get them through, you know, the very basics, and they we build on that. And we try and right. get them to come several times a day so that it is a lifestyle change from there on out. Right. It's a behavior change that you're trying to teach because the previous behavior led to a heart attack. Right. Or led to a, to a bypass surgery, or you know whatever their their situation was, because you deal with not just heart patients from a heart attack standpoint, but but people that are post their heart issue, but also starting to deal with people pre- on a preventative standpoint as well, right? Right, right. So they would come in. They've been in the hospital recently for some heart event, whether it's a valve replacement or or heart attack or bypass surgery. Some of them, they have a new diagnosis of a congestive heart failure. So um, everyone has a little bit different exercise prescription depending on their, on their diagnosis. Right. Um, but then, so one of the things you mentioned was that, that you know, there's a, there's a time frame that insurance pays for. Um, so in your, in your 20 years, would you say that people at the end of that time frame, which typically is... If you have, especially if you have a bypass surgery, um, you're not going to go to cardiac rehab outpatient where you work the next week. It's going to be several weeks before you get in. And then you're going to do, say, three months of insurance paid. So after that, say, five months from their event, uh, would you say that they're completely healthy again? No, it's an ongoing thing. They yeah. have a a better habit of exercising and realizing why they do need to make the changes, right. the lifestyle changes. Um, but I'd say a very large percentage continue on, whether it's at our gym or they join a gym or they set up something with their family members to exercise and make the behavior modifications, um, modifications for the rest of their life. Right. It's not, it's not just a, uh, you know, put a, put a, put some, duct tape on it and okay now it's fixed and move on um it's 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 changing that whole lifestyle for the rest of your life and maintaining that um and so your your goal is to take that three months and hopefully main hopefully build something that they take for the rest of their life and continue for sure um and then you also deal with uh, or at least i know in your clinic y'all deal with uh people that have diabetes issues quite often um, cause diabetes and heart disease go hand in hand. Um, so talk, you know, if you would a little bit about like, um, just what that, what, what does, you know, type two diabetes look like on, for the daily person and what's, what's the typical struggle and, and what's your, like, what's your, I don't want to say your best go-to advice, but like, how do you, how do you help people through that? Well, and a lot of them, depends on when they were diagnosed with, 
with their diabetes, but a lot of our education goes into, are you checking your blood sugars every day? What are you seeing? What's your pattern? Are you changing the food that you're eating to better, better you for a better blood, uh, blood sugar, you know, a better A1C reading? And so what's an A1C for those that don't know? It's a three month span of what your blood sugars are averaging. Okay. And a really good number is 5.9 to 6.1. A lot of ours come in at a higher level. So that just means that their blood sugars on a regular basis is 200, let's just say. So that means their base level blood sugar is too high. And that puts an impact on your liver, your pancreas, you know, all those things that that we need. And we're seeing a lot of cardiac patients that do have diabetes or that are recently diagnosed. And, I mean, those patients are just, it's tough because they don't heal as quickly right. when their blood sugars are off. Um, so we do a lot of education. We make sure they have a monitor that they can check their blood sugars on at home. Um, when You know, when they wake up, when they're fasting, checking their blood sugars. And then they do a blood sugar log, and we look at that with them. Our manager is great because he's also a diabetes educator. So he, and then we all are trained um, to check blood sugars as well and do the education. Um, We look at their food log and make sure that they're doing, making the right choices. Right. Um, And that's one of the hardest things that you, from from what you've seen, is, is making those food choices one of the hardest behavioral changes for people oh absolutely yeah yeah and I mean anytime you add exercise to a diabetic you have to be careful because their exercise as a benefit reduces blood sugar right so then we have to help them understand that they do need to for example eat breakfast before they come so that when we exercise then their sugars don't drop too low and then just having them learn what their bodies do and how it differs with every patient Right. Um, but as, as someone improves their, their health and their physical body, um, they can make type two diabetes a thing of the past. Right. And it's through proper understanding of how to be, you know, uh, how to exercise properly and how to eat properly. They can be able to do that. And that's a good goal that we set with all of them is they come in with say, six or eight medications that are brand new to them because they're now a heart patient and those come with certain medications that they need um, but also with diabetes if they lose weight and exercise properly and eat properly then our goal for them is to reduce some of their medications especially their blood sugar medication too Um, and they love to hear that and are excited about it so they're pretty motivated to try and do those things so that they can reduce their medication Right. Um, and that's, you know, it, 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 a whole nother topic, but it's one of the reasons why um, healthcare costs have, have gone crazy is because people are on medications that they don't necessarily need to be on for the rest of their lives because the behavior changes haven't taken hold. And so healthcare costs are skyrocketing because there's medications that people are on that they don't necessarily need to be on, but they have to be on because they it's a cycle and it's a it just it it continues to build um when it's that behavior change that that 
needs to happen. And um, so I know you you play a, a, a small a small role of what you play is is, is semi pseudo counselor, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily just in the exercise and the the nutrition piece, but also in the emotional side of it, because it is a very emotional. Um, traumatic experience to go through something with your heart and and realize that you know your your mortality is right there mm-hmm. um, but it's also something that that there are times I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you would you would say you know you need to go see a counselor mm-hmm. to be able to help these behavior modifications stick right so we, we give them surveys when they come in when they first start about Anything from what food are they eating to um, how are they feeling emotionally and physically after. And it's very common for people to feel a little down in the dumps after they've been given this diagnosis. So we have a survey they take and they, you know, there's a certain level that is low. So if we see that they rated low on their survey, then we just talk to them about, you know, how they're doing. Do they have good support at home? Um, and some of them do have a history of depression, so we make sure that they're on their taking their medicines and communicate a lot with their primary care physician and their cardiologist if needed, um, but mostly primary care with the, the depression stuff. Um, but there's a lot of communication, so we're, we're just kind of the in-between. Um, but just to talk to them and give them some education on... And, you know, we check those... We check those readings again towards the end of their exercise or their three months. And most of them go up because they know that things are better now. They can exercise and they're okay. You right. know, we're checking all their vital signs and their heart rhythm and they're doing better and they feel more confident and they usually do much better emotionally when they come consistently. Well, and you mentioned something earlier, and it's it's something that I know I've I've had other medical professionals on that have have reiterated sort of the same thing. Is that you know you need to you need to talk to your primary care physician on a regular basis, whether you you're currently dealing with a heart issue or not, because you you need to have that baseline because everybody is different. And like you said about you know like what's your sign. Um, you know, your, your, your doctor needs to know and they need to be able to trace back and say, oh, well, you know, this, this one enzyme or this one part of your health history is outside the norm, but it's been outside the norm forever. Mm-hmm. And so that's not necessarily, even though it may be a trigger in somebody else, it's not necessarily a trigger in you. Um, but if you don't have that baseline, anything outside the norm is going to be a trigger right. and and so the doctors are going to be, the doctors or any any medical professional looking at it is going to treat you towards that being an issue when it may or may not be the actual issue that's causing the problem. Right. So, um, so tell me a little bit about, uh, like, you do you do a lot of work, um, you know, because I know you you you're very educated on on the different heart drugs and the different things that are out there, um, and you have a lot of people. I know a lot of your patients come and ask you about. You know, I'm on this and I'm on that, and how does this react with this and that? And what's your advice when somebody says, you know, hey, I, I have, I'm on all these meds, but I have no idea what they're doing. Are they working? Um, you know, what do you what do you tell them as far as like learning about what they're on? Right. How important that is? Well, we we really 
want them to carry an updated medication list with them everywhere they go. Right. Not just with them at their house, but in their wallet, in their purse, um, and not just with their spouse. They need to carry it with them. That way, if there is an emergency, they have a list of medication. Or, you know, when you go to the primary, some of them have primary care physicians, they have cardiologists, they have endocrinologists, they have all these people that they see are their, are for, are, that are physicians, but they need to know what each of them are on. Right. So that's primary right there, is what medications are you on? And then we go through a list of, are you actually taking these? Are you taking them twice a day like it's prescribed? Um, and then moving from there... Um, we break it down and say, these are your new heart meds, this is what they do, and then we have the education sheet to go over with them. And a lot of them really want to know, like, why do I need this one? Or, you know, I didn't take my meds today. I'm like, this one's really important that you take it because it does this and this. Um, Or before they go to the doctor, they'll say, gosh, do I need all these? And I said, well, your physician thinks that you do, but please talk to him or her and just say, you know, which of these down the line do you think I could take off if I do this, this, and this to help my health? Right. And so that gives them kind of some questions to walk into uh, the doctor's office with. Right, because if there are some things that, that depending on how, and it might sound harsh, but depending on how poorly you treat your body mm-hmm. as you go along, there are some medications that you may be on the rest of your life um, because you've you've basically cut off your body's ability to make whatever um, it was that you needed, and so you need a medication to to combat that issue. Uh, But there are definitely medications that you don't need to be on for the rest of your life if you're you're willing to take those steps. And um, and it's it's definitely healthier uh, to be on as few medications as possible, similar to it's it's healthier to to have as few surgeries as possible. I think every surgeon will tell you that, like, you know, I don't. I don't necessarily want to do surgery on you, but if it if it's going to save your life or it's going to help you out, then we're going to do it. But the fewer times you can get cut open, the better it is for your overall health. Right. Less um, scar tissue and things like that. Less less opportunity for infection and um, and all that issue that goes along with with that. So. Um, so tell us a little bit about just like, what do you do to keep yourself healthy? How do you how do you focus on um, you know, your own health. Cause I know, I know you do, uh, obviously I know cause I'm your, your husband, but I know you do, um, triathlons every year. Um, so there's different things that you do that, that are focusing on your own health. It's definitely harder <laughs> to find the time as far as exercise. Um, but I try and do something, uh, three to five days a week. And, you know, every, book you read is going to be a little bit different on what guidelines are recommended but we typically tell our patients and we try and do ourselves is stay active um don't wait in line for 20 minutes for the front row spot at whatever gym you go to or the grocery store you know find those moments where you can be active with the family at home um personally our journey the last year as a family is cutting back on salt and I do have a whole list of, um, I guess, family family risks Right. Um, with my family with high blood pressure. And so I've really cut back on salt intake and cleaning up my diet. And my blood pressure is great. 
in fact it's sometimes low so uh, I think just looking at the risk factors that I have that I preach about to my patients and just seeing which ones I can knock out right some are definitely harder than others um, but you know just finding those like high blood pressure fighting that and diabetes I have a lot of diabetics in my family so just really watching my sugar intake and I spot check that and everything's normal so I'm thankful for that um, but staying healthy stress relief is a difficult one I think especially right now um, but just finding some things that are going to be helpful uh, for my own stress relief right talking to people communicating is key and knowing what's best for you um, whether it's exercising on your own or in a group you know just being active getting 10 minutes of of harder exercise in and right uh, just trying to to find those spots of time to do that well you mentioned something that that I know is you touched on a little bit when you were talking earlier about about your heart patients but you just said it yourself um, one of the things for you that I, I do believe is, is extremely important to people's overall health is talking to people, um, finding someone to talk to. And, and I know that when it comes to your heart patients, a lot of times you'll have ones that come in, especially guys, I'm a, I, I would say, come in and say, you know, they don't, they don't want to open up and tell you a lot. They don't want to tell you their fears. They don't want to, because they're the machoism that they're trying to, to, to lead. Um, but that, you know, when they, when they don't open up and share because they feel like, oh, nobody else would understand or, you know, um, I know it can be intimidating for their first visit to walk into your facility and see a bunch of people working out on treadmills or, uh, bikes or, or what have you. Um, and you know, they're, they're barely able to walk in from their car and sit down, um, so tell me about like how how important that is, but also um, like if like where where should people be going to 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 talk to people? Um, I think sometimes you know when when we see someone that is struggling, or they'll say, "I'm the youngest one in here." I think just reminding them that you know everyone's there for a different reason, but they also have a lot of common threads as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you mentioned the men. I'd say it is harder for some that have been, you know, providers and working hard and, you know, they were working 60 hours a week, whether they were farmers or businessmen, and now they're given this diagnosis and they can't work. Right. And they're, you know, say their spouse is at home. And so they do have a harder time kind of getting past the I'm sick part and what am I going to do? Um, but just pairing them up with another patient that maybe could relate in a way that I can't because I'm not in their shoes. I haven't been through what they've been through. But just, you know, seeing if they want to chat with someone else. Right. Um, but, you know, talking to their physician or if they do have a counselor in mind, they can, you know, we can definitely recommend some of that as well. Um, yeah, so it kind of varies. But it's, it, it is. It's, it's going through that connection of somebody who's been through that same experience because this is something that's a heart a heart issue is something that's very traumatic not Mm -hmm. just to your heart but to your your emotions and your your mental state as well Mm -hmm. um and it is one of those things that's very difficult for you know 
the average person to relate to if they haven't gone through it. Right. Is, you know, how, and, and you're, you're on the front lines and you see it all the time and you talk to people all the time, but it's still hard for you to relate to uh, somebody who's going through it because it's, it, it is so intense from an emotional standpoint. Right. Um, so what, um, you know, lastly, I'll just ask, what would you suggest to people, um, you know, in this, in this time right now where we're dealing with, uh, you know, the coronavirus and people are sheltering at home and, um, you know, they've got, you know, it, it, saying they've got free time is maybe not the right way to say it, but, um, they're home and it's, it, it's a good opportunity in my mind to take advantage of time to make some behavior changes and make mm-hmm. behavior modification in, in your health. Um, what would you recommend to somebody who maybe, maybe they do have a lot of risk factors and so they are facing five or 10 years from now having a heart issue? Um, you know, what would you say is like the starting points that they can do on their own at home? Obviously not, you know, not prescribing anything from a strict standpoint, but right. just what are some basic things that they can start doing? Yeah. I would first lead with being cautious because I think there's a lot of, if you know that you do have risk factors for heart disease, or if you don't even know what those are, you know, just Google it, you know, trying to find what those risk factors are. But I would be cautious to just pop on and pick up any kind of exercise that you find online because, you know, you want to make sure that you're able to do that. Um, But starting off slowly is key. Right. Um, You know, if you haven't done a push-up in 30 years, don't just pop down on the floor and start doing push-ups, you know. Um, Start slowly with the wall push-up. See if that does okay with your your body and your shoulders. And then, you know, just kind of slowly getting into some activities. Uh, Like I mentioned, you know, Starting slowly, maybe if you do have to go to the grocery store right now, get a few extra steps in to do that. Or walk around your house. We tell a lot of our patients that are homebound right now, um, you know, walk up and down your hallway for 10 minutes. Set the kitchen timer for 10 minutes and just walk around for 10 minutes. Right. Um, that way you're getting in some activity. And, you know, now's not the time to just go crazy with your eating. Don't order high fat stuff and just go nuts with your eating because you will that will impact you whether it's with your high blood pressure or your diabetes or you know just that'll further your issues with heart disease down the line right so just be careful with with what you're eating right now as well and so what would you just to to finish up sort of the last question what would you say um what would you say is your uh, def- overall definition of somebody having a healthy lifestyle? Mm. Like, what does that look like? Someone that's going to be doing some activities, some cardio, which means you get your heart rate up and you move your, your body. Um, depends on what you read, but I would say definitely five days a week, at least 30 minutes. Um, and that can look different to everybody. It could be 10 minutes in the morning, 10 in the middle of the day, 10 in the afternoon, but a consistent um, routine, right. five days a week, um, that you're watching what you eat. Um, if you do have risk factors, you need to know what those are and try and reduce those. Right. And drink lots of water. You usually like them to drink water. Um, 
Okay. Um, well, that's good, and that's that that does fall in line with uh, with what I preach, which I, I would I would expected it to, um, <laughs> being that you're my wife. But um, it's true that that you know a, a healthy lifestyle is is a consistent it's it's got consistency in it. It's a consistent behavior, um, you know, and it's not something that necessarily it, it's okay to have a a one off here or there. Um, that goes off the grid, if you will, with a, with the healthy standpoint. But um, the consistency, the maintaining that consistency and that that target of health uh, is what's going to get you there long term. And if you do have risk factors, that's what's going to prevent those from from getting worse, um, and hopefully prevent you from having to have any kind of heart issue um, before it's it, it's. You know, before it's it's your time, if you will, um, that can get you through, uh, you know, the life that the long life that that we all hope and strive for. Um, so, so I want to thank you for having you. On, uh, thank you for being on. Um, I appreciate it. Uh, and um, you know, if you if you're local, uh, you're friends of ours, um, or if you're not, and you have questions um, for Jenny about. Uh, Really, anything about cardiac rehab, um, about card, you know, your heart. Uh, feel free to um, email me or email her. Uh, I'll have her email address in the show notes um, to get you know a little bit of advice here or there. Uh, please like, share, um, you know, this this podcast with anybody. Um, send us a review, if you will. Send us comments. Um, be happy to address those as well uh, if you need those done. So. I want to thank you for being on, uh, listening with us today, um, and remember that uh, you know, it, as she said, it's 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 behavior change, it's preparing, it's understanding uh, what you're up against and living a lifestyle that's going to be uh, healthy. And when you prepare and you honor that preparation, you are going to have uh, more confidence and you're going to have a healthier life. So uh, until next week, thank you for being on, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for checking out the All in Health and Wellness Confidence Through Health podcast. Our goal is to use health as a conduit to help you reach your goals in life.